Hey, this is Kieran Emanuel. I'm the student pastor at Arise Church, where this is more than a youth group. We're family. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for hanging with us today. I hope this encourages you. I hope this inspires you. I hope this grows your faith in God. Enjoy the message. What's going on? Hey, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to talk about what we are going, what we talked about in our youth ministry. And we started this collection the other day on this idea of who told you that? Really, the premise of this idea is to talk about and to tackle things you may have heard. And so before we start, I want, I want to read this scripture found in the Bible. Uh, we're Bible people here. We believe that the word of God is inspired and it's true. We believe that it has the power to change your life. And so we want to always start there first. And so we're going to read from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The author of this book, is his name is Paul. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He did not like the things of God, yet he believed in God, but not really the God of the Bible or the God, the true God. And so he was persecuted Christians. God saved him when he was on, on his way to persecute more Christians. God saved him, radically changed his life. And then he has um, been really preaching Jesus ever since. And so he writes this as he's writing to people in Rome, to Jewish and Gentile people, and really trying to un- give them some theology. And so he writes this famous, famous line that we've all heard. And it's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Paul, again, is saying everything that happens, one, it's God working, and the working of that is for the good of those who love him and are called to his purpose. That's an interesting concept. Because if we're thinking about religion, we think about this idea of a God and good, sometimes when we look at the world, it doesn't make sense. And what I mean by that is this. There is evil in the world. There is evil present. All of us know that. It's apparent. Evil is permeated in every single situation. Evil ranges from stubbing your toe to the worst hurricane ever, to genocide, to anything evil that you can imagine. That's where evil reigns. Everything is categorized as evil. And so when it comes to this idea that God is working all things good, then you must ask, well, what about the evil in the world? What about the bad things that happen? And so you tend to think about things that don't make sense in that regard because it doesn't make sense that a good God, right? If God is working all things good, so he's a good God, we know that. And if you don't know that, the, the Bible teaches that God is omnibenevolent, meaning he's all merciful. He has, he's all good. He's, omni, he's omnipresent. That means everywhere at all times. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And so this, this good, all-knowing, all-powerful God has to understand, has to know that there's evil in the world. And if he knows that there's evil in the world because he's good, he doesn't like the evil in the world. And if he's all-powerful, he has the power to stop it and to eliminate it. But yeah, he doesn't. And again, that doesn't make sense. Because for me, it brings this philosophical idea in, in conundrum. If, if there is a good God, why would God allow school shootings to happen? Why would God allow hurricanes to, to wipe out countries and continents? Why would God allow hunger to happen all around the world? If, if God is good, why, why would why would he allow these things? And I, it's important to know and to note 
for me personally, this may be you as well, that injustice in the world is one of the biggest obstacles to maintaining faith in God. Think about that for a moment. Like injustice in the world is one of the most biggest obstacles to maintain faith in God. You may be sitting there listening to this right in your car or at your home or with your friends listening to, hey, there's so much bad happening in the world. Like, how can I believe that there is a good God? How can I believe that? And I want to be the first to say this. Let me, let me say this. I, I want you to hear me loud and clear. I'm sorry for all the things you've been through. I'm sorry that you may have been bullied. I'm sorry that your parents may have gotten a divorce. I'm sorry you got sick or someone in your family got ill and super sick that changed their life forever. I'm sorry that you got your heart broken. I'm sorry that you're, you've lost someone. I'm sorry that you have been abused. I'm sorry that you're, you may be not, not economically um, superb like some other people may be. I'm sorry that you've been depressed. I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And what I want to do right now is I want to help you see and understand God and suffering in a different way. I want to help you in a way that can grow your faith and change the way you see pain. Because like, like, that's what we need to do as Christians. We need to see the way pain is affecting our lives if there is this good God. And so this brings me to the question, who told you that a good God can't let bad things happen? Who told you that? People use this argument all the time to, to disprove God's existence. And then we mention it. Philosophers like to point this three, three equation. If God is good, God is all-powerful, and evil exists. Again, we mentioned it earlier that if an all-good God knows that there's evil, that means he's good enough to know there's evil and he doesn't like the evil. And he's powerful enough to, to eliminate all evil, but yet evil still exists. So that means in, those, in that equation that we have to eliminate one of them. And so if you eliminate one of the attributes of God, he doesn't really become God anymore because God has to have these divine attributes. And doesn't really have God, he, doesn't, he doesn't really become God anymore. And so with that being said, people use this argument, okay, then God doesn't really exist. He's not real. But I want, I want to say why that doesn't make sense to me because Christians have never made an argument for God's existence based on a world that wasn't bad. Like we, didn't, we never said God doesn't exist it was not like it, there was no perfect world that God exists in this perfect world where nothing ever happened. I think that's the misnomer we have sometimes as as believers and as as people who are searching for some sort of truth that we we think that there is this perfect world. No, no, no. World, this world is evil. This world is broken. And so with that being said, I I want you to understand that in the Bible. It talks about suffering, y'all. It talks about how people suffer. How people go through bad things, how people go through evil, unexplainable things all the time. There's this guy named Job. If you don't know him, Job was what the Bible says a righteous man before God. He had integrity. He had faith. He did everything that was right before God. And so this moment comes where the devil follows this angel into the presence of God. Now, I love this idea that the devil came into the presence of God. You have to understand something. The devil had to have permission to be in God's presence. There's no way that the devil could just roam into God's presence as he pleased. No, 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 no. He had to have God's position, permission. Because if you think about it, the devil said, and the angel of the Lord came to the presence of God and the devil with him. So there had to have been this idea that the angel was accompanying him or he was escorting him. This sort of, okay, here, I'm granting you access into my presence. And that's important to understand because as Christians, as people who, who have been saved, have been sanctified, 
by God. And if you're not a believer, th this is important for you to understand. For Christians, we give the devil permission to enter our presence. Think about that just for a moment. Ponder that for a moment. Now, the devil used all types of antics and tactics and things to, to really jack your world up. He'll tempt you. He'll, he'll provide temptations and distractions for that. But, but, but letting the devil get in your personal space, live in your home, that has to be done by permission. That has to be done by, by permission. And, and so, so this idea that the devil came into God's presence by permission, meaning God had to allow that to happen. And this speaks on the sovereignty of God. It speaks on the bigness of who God is. God is this big, grand God who gives even the devil permission to do what he has authority over him. And so Job was mentioned in the conversation because God looks at the devil. He said, hey, um, what are you doing? The devil's like, man, I'm just roaming the world. You know what I mean? I'm roaming. I'm hanging out. And the devil, and the devil begins to tell God these things. And God's like, hey, um, have you thought about my servant Job? Pause for a moment, sir. Why would the devil need to know about Job? Why would God inter interject that in there so un like unexpectedly? It's not like the devil was asking, hey, I'm looking for somebody to mess up. God said, have you thought about my servant Job? God knew, God knew, knew with his foreknowledge that Job, Job would endure pain the best that he can. God knew that his servant was faithful. And sometimes I, I think, I think it's important to, to, to grasp this idea because if God knew what Job what Job was gonna go through, then God knew that God knew that he was gonna be with Job. He knew that. Job suffered. He made a deal with the devil. He said, Hey, go ahead and, and do what you gotta do. Just don't kill him. Just don't harm him. Just go ahead and do what you gotta do. And Job suffered. But what's amazing about that is in Job chapter one, God God let the devil do the thing, and Job says Hey, if I can serve God in the good, I have to be able to serve him in the bad. That's important to understand. Because Job suffered. Many characters in the Bible suffered. Many people in this world suffer. Jesus, the biggest character of all in the Bible, the one that we really base this message on, suffered the most. I love what this pastor from Atlanta, his name is Louis Giglio, he says this. He says, we have to understand that not we're not the only one that go through pain. That everyone goes through pain. Pain is not unique to you and you alone. He says pain, even in the context of Jesus, Jesus went through pain. Matter of fact, he bears a scar of his pain all the time. If we believe that Jesus is alive and risen and he's, he's alive still, he is still carrying the scars of his pain. What pain you talk about? The pain of carrying one, all of our sin. There must be emotional pain there. There has to be emotional, emotional mental pain that he had to carry all of the wickedness that we would do, past, present, or future, on him. The Bible says that God satisfies wrath on Jesus. That has to be painful, y'all. Like emotionally draining. And then the physical pain of being crucified for hours and being prod with, with nails in your hands and feet. There has to be some sort of physical anguish that he went through. And not only that, he was he was abandoned by God for a moment Jesus went through pain and here's what I want you to get listen to me loud and clear the foundation of Christianity is suffering that's the foundation of Christianity so with that idea it's much more it makes more sense to to be angry with God than to, to be an atheist because then you're believing in something you're actually you're believing in nothing like you the idea that 
pain may have a purpose. Pain may have an author. Pain may have um, an origin per se. Not to say that God causes pain, but he he knows about it. It's it's really it's really wicked and and unsatisfying to say, well, I don't know why this happened. It's just happening because it's happening. It just happened for no reason. And I, I don't want to believe that. What kind of life? What kind of life would I live to believe that pain just happened for no reason? Jesus suffered. The foundation of Christianity is suffering. I think we don't talk about that enough in the church or around the church. So you can question why God, why God does things. That's, I think that's accurate. People in the Bible did it all the time. David did it all the time. And even Jesus said, God, hey, if can you let this go? Like, I can question you, God. Hey, if you can, just let this go for me, man. I'm, I'm, I don't want this cup. I don't want to suffer, but I'll do your will. We can question God, but we can't blame the injustice on God or we can't use injustice as a mean to say that God does not exist because that's just false. It's just false. But as a Christian, we have to be able to see suffering and the fullness of it in this world and still love God. We have to be able to see the badness, the wickedness, the evil in this world and still have a, a infatuation for who God is. Because even when I don't understand God's plan, hear me, I still trust in his character. I got to trust that he's all good. I got to trust that he's all powerful, that he's all knowing, that he's all temporal. That means he's in the past, present, and future. He's everywhere like this. I have to understand his character. It's a cool story. I went skydiving. And, um, skydiving is an an, a unique and amazing experience because when I went skydiving, I had to go with um, a tandem instructor and so he was with me and I remember being in the airplane feeling uncomfortable we're on this bench where this guy is straddling me and he's making all these weird jokes right and so he keep he kept telling me hey you got to scoot in closer scoot in closer now one I didn't trust the plane I was in because we were about 8,000 feet in the air and I didn't trust the fact that this dude was straddling me I didn't trust him at all but I remember as he, he brought me in closer as we got closer to the door to jump out the plane oh I trusted him all the more because I w I'd rather be closer to him than further from him. And here's the idea. The closer we get to God, the more we trust God. That's why it's super important and super imperative that we spend time with God. Like, you got to spend time with him. If you are a Christian, you say, I believe in God. I love God. You have to make sure you spend time with him. The closer we are with God, the more we trust him. I trust him. Even though I don't understand him, I trust him. I don't fully get why he does, he does what he does. I trust him. And right now, I want to help you trust God's heart. I want to help you trust who God is. I want to help you see suffering differently. Because I know it's real. I know it's there. But here are some things about suffering that I think will help us. Number one, here, here's number one. For many people, suffering is actually the highway that leads us to God. Think about that for a moment. Suffering, pain, is sometimes a highway that leads you to God. Again, I referenced um, this pastor in Atlanta. He's talked about how his father, he was pastoring a church, and his father, he wanted to get out of church because his father got sick, got a mental disease that really, really jacked him up, really jacked him up. I believe his father lived in Atlanta at the time, and he really jacked him up, made him physically unable to do anything. So that was hard on his mother. And so he was in a church, and he was praying to God. He's like, hey, God, get me out of here. Let me find a way to get out of here. Release me from this church position. And so finally God answered his prayer, and he's being released. And uh, the day he announced the moment he announced that he was leaving and getting ready to transition to Atlanta, God, God gave him permission. But the moment he left, his father had a heart attack and died. 
But what's crazy about that, in that moment, you, you don't understand. You don't understand. But in that moment, in that moment, he realized that God allowed that to happen. So he can start a movement that would see 60,000 young people, y'all. 60,000 college-age people come to Christ. It brought him so much closer to God. In Haiti, I went to Haiti. Oh my gosh, Haiti's um, been upgraded to category. It's, it's a category four in a sense of world poverty. It's a fourth world country, y'all. Fourth world country. And so I went to Haiti, and we were in this poor community where people just didn't have clothes. Food was scarce. No light. And we were in this church service, and I was ministering with a couple other pastors, and it was just crazy because because the people that walked in there were so poor y'all like i'm talking about poor but but they worshiped god with such zeal and fervor and it was so encouraging and confusing at the same time because in america we think we think when we think of suffering we think oh god can't be real real but when when you go to a fourth world country and you see how they're praising god in their poverty in their lack you, you, you understand that this doesn't mean God isn't real. Not at all. And so sometimes, sometimes, suffering is actually the highway that leads us to God. And I don't know about you, but for me, I found God in my worst moment. I found him in my worst moment. Secondly, is, this, is the, this is the second thing. Without suffering, we cannot experience love. In the beginning, when God created humans, he gave them a choice. When he created Adam and Eve, he created them out of his own image, and he brought, put them in this beautiful garden, this beautiful oasis, and he said, you can have everything in this, in this beautiful, um, pleasurable paradise, but you can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can't eat from that tree. He gave them a choice. He said, you can do this or that. The choice is yours. Why? I believe because God wants relationship. He wants us to love him. Doesn't doesn't work if there is no choice. You can't know somebody loves you. You can't know somebody's there for you if there's not an option to not be there for you. I hope that makes sense because without choice, there is no love. There's no true relationship. But when there is choice, there's an opportunity for good and evil. There's opportunity for good and bad. And this idea is super funny because if your mom says, hey, don't eat, don't eat a cookie before, before dinner and the cookie jar is on the table, you have a choice. You have a choice to eat it or not eat it. But if your mom says, hey, do not eat this cookie and she takes the cookie and she locks it in a safe, she puts a security guard, lasers, cannons blocking it, you have no choice. You have no choice. You, you can't. You literally cannot get the cookie because it's put away. God is not like that. He gives us a choice. He doesn't lock things away from us. He gives us a choice. He says, hey, evil's in this world, and you can either choose that or choose me. That's how love works. That's how we know that God loves us and we love him. When we choose evil, when we choose evil over him or him over evil. Thirdly is this. God is an artist, and our life is a mosaic. I love this idea of a mosaic. 
because mosaics are made out of broken pieces oh my gosh broken pieces for artists you'll see these broken pieces and shattered pieces of glass and all these things and he takes that and makes this beautiful masterpiece and that's what god does to you and i he takes the brokenness that's our our relationships he takes the brokenness that's our sin he takes the brokenness that's our mind he takes the brokenness that's our world and he makes it into a masterpiece that's why some of the amazing stories of redemption come from the most broken situations you'll hear stories of of, of family members who 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 are who are um stuck in addiction and, and cause other people to suffer and, and god has saved their life and they now lead ministries where people don't have to suffer anymore like it's amazing even paul says hey i suffer so that i i, I suffer so that i can help other people who are suffering this is the beautifulness of god the the the, the canvas that he uses um is pain but he paints something so beautiful sometimes we have to understand that when it comes to suffering and pain we see it as stumbling blocks but god sees it as as stepping stones he sees that stepping stones and i don't know who you are today i don't know where you are in your walk of life but i do know this you've you've been through something traumatic you've been through something horrible you've been through something terrible and you don't know why you can't explain it you can't figure it out now i would submit to you this don't don't figure it out don't try to explain it don't try to meddle your way around it no no no. don't do that simply simply have faith in god just trust in him trust in his character the author says in hebrews for we have we have to fix our thoughts on the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him the joy set before him he scorned the cross and shame we have to focus on that guy have faith in that guy trust in that guy and his name is jesus and i pray i pray that you can take a moment and just and just ask god to build your faith ask god to help you because he will he will psalm 34 18 says the lord is near the brokenhearted he saves those who are crushed in spirit so take that thought in mind what we see as stumbling blocks god sees as stepping stones the closer we get to god the more we can trust him and trust god today thanks for listening today hey if you enjoyed this podcast would you consider subscribing sharing or posting on all your social stories i pray you have a good one love you god bless Thank you.